You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that I am. So we're in a weird spot right now um, because for so long, there's been kind of one path. That's why the other day I said, okay, let's try to real quick talk about some alternate realities here. Well, we're in, we're kind of in an alternate reality. And so as quickly as possible, I want to kind of get caught up on the new reality that we're in. But uh, I want to start with this. Hello, by the way. When I was watching the... um, Actually, I wasn't able to watch it, which was frustrating. They forced me to watch that stupid Vikings game. I wanted to watch Bears-Lions. Couldn't watch it. So I pulled up... I think it was on CBS, maybe ESPN. I don't know. But I pulled up the Bears-Lions game over there. Their little game cast or whatever. And one of the things they had at the bottom was uh, the percentage odds of victory. And, you know, roughly halftime or whatever, at one point, I think the Bears had gone up, and it was like 75 80% chance the Bears are going to win. And I thought, man, that's, that's a lot. That's pretty crazy. Looks like it's pretty much done, pretty much over. And... It would be one play later. There would be an interception or something that the, the Lions had done, and suddenly it's 55% sure the Lions are going to win. Wait a minute. Now, I, I, I get it, but you just told me with 85% certainty the Bears are definitely going to win. And one play later, you're like, oh, looks like the Lions are going to win. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. And that happened numerous times throughout. You would see the Lions would score a touchdown, and the Lions were suddenly 75% chance they're going to win. Then they go three and out and punt, and then the Bears are 60% chance going to win. And then the Bears score, and they're 89%, 90% chance going to win. And, and it just kept violently fluctuating. And you realize, on one hand, this is completely unreliable. You telling me 90% chance doesn't mean anything because one play can happen and you're going to tell me the exact opposite. Maybe not the exact, not 90% Lions, but it, suddenly the Lions are 55%. So it's, it's completely nonsense, unreliable garbage. On the other hand, it's 100% mathematically accurate. And I struggled, and still at this moment, struggle to reconcile those two realities. On one hand, 85-90% doesn't mean anything. It can be a race in one play. On the other hand, it is completely mathematically accurate. I bring that up because I'm in a very similar situation with the Packers. I feel as though the Packers were that team that were sitting at 90% that the season is over. And one game happened, and it flipped to about 
51%, at least this is how it's happening in my mind, that the Packers are actually going to turn the season around. Call it 55% or something. That's kind of what just happened to me. And I'm torn on that because I always talk about, I'm just going to tell you what makes the most sense. And I've been telling you that what makes the most sense for months is that the season is over. How in the world do I get on my podcast and say, you know what, I think it's now most likely the case that the Packers will turn the season around. Now, what that exactly means, I don't know. I understand there's a lot of injuries, and, and you got to factor in that it's Dallas. you got to factor in that it's one game and could have been a fluke. you got to factor in all these different things. The fact that Sammy's probably not going to maintain that, and Roger's thumb injury is still a thing, and, and we're not going to be able to run that well all the time, and, and Christian's certainly not going to get three touchdowns in a game, and we're probably not going to get two picks in a game. Like I, I get all that. So I'm not even talking about playoffs. What I'm talking about is... We're going to see a more consistent, um, consistently competent football team. And even if we win some, lose some, and miss the playoffs, I think what there will be is the ability to say, I feel much more confident about this team and their ability in the future. I also think, for me personally, it changes the trajectory specifically on Aaron Rodgers. Now, I understand it's still a weird situation for a couple reasons. Number one, he's obviously getting older and may leave at any moment. He, he may decide to leave after this year, whether we decide we like him or not. Beyond that, the contract, is, in my understanding, gets a little bit more burdensome the longer we hold on to him. Meaning, if we let go of him this year, depending on how we do it, it's like, what was it, $16 million cap hit and then 24 next year? Like, that's not that big of a deal. And by let go, I don't mean cut, because then we can't sustain that, but... Right, There are complicating factors. However, here's another factor that, that hit me not too long ago, and I mentioned this on Packernet After Dark, and I want to expand on it. I genuinely believe that this version of the Green Bay Packers has, has or had the potential to be the greatest iteration of a Green Bay Packers offense in the Matt LaFleur era. Now, losing Devontae does hurt, no question about it. However, this has always been a team that needed a strong rushing presence. And although Aaron Jones has been a talented runner for a long time, we've never been a dominant running team ever. We've had Aaron Jones really take over some games, for sure. We've had A.J. Dillon take over at least one game against the Titans, probably a couple others. But we've always been one of the lowest, if not the lowest, teams in the NFL in explosive run plays. We've almost never seen games in which, I mean, at least this consistently, where Aaron Jones gets five, six, seven yards per carry in a game, while A.J. Dillon gets also five or six yards per carry in a game. Just consistent dominance, play to play, quarter to quarter, week to week, with a few notable exceptions. The other thing that we've never had that clearly the team has been so desperate for is the speed threat. If there's anything that I can say that this team has been consistently desperate for, it's a deep threat. and We've never had it. We've been overly obsessed with MVS, and you can tell that the team needed him, wanted him. They, they were borderline about to pay him that $10 million because they knew they absolutely had to have it, and we have not had it. And even with MVS and whatever talent he had, which I do think was minimal, and I think his, his play speed did not necessarily mirror his 40 time, regardless, it didn't matter because Aaron Rodgers could not be on the same page as MVS, or, or by same page, I just mean he just couldn't gauge his speed or something. His passes to MVS were always off, always. And I, I looked at the stats on that, 
Aaron Rodgers was extremely accurate, especially if you remove MVS. He was he was unbelievably accurate. Like he didn't miss anybody. But you look at just MVS, he couldn't hit him to save his life. I don't personally recall, and I'm sure there's been some, as many times as I can recall Aaron Rodgers having bad passes this year, I don't really remember Aaron Rodgers throwing at, uh, Christian Watson any bad balls. In fact, pretty much all of them have been extremely accurate. I know you know one or two of his touchdown passes were slightly behind uh, this past Sunday, but still completely catchable, and some of them are just absolute perfect dimes. Usually those are the ones that end up getting dropped. And I think that combination of an unstoppable rushing attack, and I haven't been able to verify this, but um, Blaine had talked to me and had mentioned something to the effect of how many times they stacked eight men in the box and that we had gotten something like five yards per carry against an eight-man box. Now, I know Dallas struggles against the run, but still, that, uh, that just will not be denied ability. Coupled with a deep threat is a nearly unstoppable attack. Now, that's just one phase. we we got to be able to attack the middle of the field. We can't just run and then throw it deep, run it. But I think we have enough with Tunyon, with the running backs, with Lazard, with you know Watson and everybody else to be able to hit the intermediate throws. That doesn't address the defense. It doesn't address you know whatever issues we still have on special teams and 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 the few issues on offense with the other wide receivers and whatnot. But that that is the most frustrating aspect of this is because I feel like if they could have hit this stride early, we could be talking about an elite Green Bay Packers team. And there's a chance we may still, but it just feels like it's a little too late. Now, understand, this is all, I don't want everybody to, oh, he's overreacting now, he's going too far, and we're going to lose to the Titans, and look at you overreacting. I I completely understand that that may have been a fluke. I've said that 700 times up to this point. I just want you to picture that little chart that shows the percentages, and understand that we have gone from 85% this season is over to 55%. I think that this team will start to look more competent moving forward. Again, I can't say that that means playoffs because it's such a, that in and of itself, even if the team completely turns itself around, I don't know if that's going to happen. Probably will, just because of how bad everybody else is, but I don't know. But also because we've spent so little time talking about this side of things, there's so much more to cover. Plus, we... we, Although it was always a possibility, in what way it became a possibility, I didn't know. Was it Dobbs that would emerge? Is it Rodgers that would just take this thing over? Would it just be a pure rushing attack with a halfway competent offense? Would the defense just completely dominate and and keep the scores so low that even the offense could get over it? I didn't know. I didn't know it would be this version, which again, I think is just a completely unstoppable thing. And understand that all only works if Aaron Rodgers continues to play like he played this past week. If we see Watson and, and the well, then we're right back to the same because Watson was always open to begin with and we were running well all, all year. But if Rodgers reverts back to couldn't hit the broadside of a barn Rodgers, I'm going to turn the ball over three times Rodgers, we're doomed. But the craziest thing is, within 24 hours of that game, I went from, I can't believe people think that there's hope, to... We may want to consider looking at OBJ. And I know that's, you know, I can't believe you're an OBJ. I'm not an OBJ. I've never been an OBJ guy. However, if there's one thing, at least that the offense is missing, granted, yeah, you could look at other things. Probably could look at an edge rusher or whatever. But if there's one thing the team does need, it's sort of that 
you know, he's, he's not Devontae, but that Devontae kind of player, just that possession receiver. Because again, you're not going to hit Christian Watson on four touchdowns every single game. He's a deep threat. It's it's just simply by virtue of the fact that the, the teams moving forward, defenses moving forward, are going to see that game and go, all right, look, this Watson dude, for real, we're going to have to change things up. So they're going to they're gonna change things to make sure you don't hit that three, four, five, six, seven, nine times a game. Okay, what do we do to counter that? We finally got them to back off. We finally got them to, you know, instead of playing single high, they're going back to two high and all this. Fine, we have to be able to do these other things. You know, we got to run the ball. We got to hit the middle of the field. We got to whatever. We have to be able to do that. And so we got the running. We got the deep. We need something in between. And I think that's where OB, a guy like OBJ could come in. And no, I know he's not peak OB, but he's still a better player than what we had. Now, the, the problem with that, and I know I'm a little bit scattered here, but I'm just trying, again, we're trying to get caught up here. The, the, the biggest issue or concern that I would have with that is looking at Sammy and how much he struggled to get caught up to speed with this offense. How much is OBJ going to come in here and they're going to be like, here's our giant playbook. And he's gonna be like, all right, I'm going to do my best. I've, you know, I played with the Rams. I kind of get it or whatever. And then Rogers is going to be like, hey, man, uh, so you get in that playbook? He's like, yeah, I think I got it, man. I played with McVay. It's a lot of the similar terminology and everything else. I think I got it. He's like, all right, cool. Here's a secondary playbook you're going to have to learn. It's all the stuff that I like to do when we get to the line of scrimmage. When you see this, when you see that, when I say this, when I touch the, what I, da, 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 da. and I'm going to do that pretty much every play. So uh, see if you can get and and whatever. All right, how much is that going to be an issue? So the bottom line is that's where I'm sitting right now. I'm kind of in no man's land because, again, I'm only at about 50. I don't even, 55 even feels wrong. It, it, it's borderline 50-50, but I'll call it 51. I'm certainly not a massive believer, but, but I've seen it. We just saw it. And, and, again, the difference between this team and any old random garbage team that could flukily win a game at any moment. Yeah, I said flukily, and I'm sticking by it. All right, get away from me. The difference is the talent, right? Most garbage teams don't have Rodgers, don't have Aaron Jones, don't have A.J. Dillon, David Bakhtiari. I don't even know who else is really good on our... I would have said Elton Jenkins, but who knows? In fact, let me look at that. I, I, I don't even know right now. So David Bakhtiari is ranked seventh in terms of pass blocking among tackles. Yash Nyman is actually 17th. Um, his run blocking is pretty putrid with a 64 overall grade, 51 run blocking grade. But again, 17th in terms of pass blocking. So we have two top 20 tackles, one top 10 tackle. Bakhtiari ranks 8th overall because he also has a pretty good run blocking grade at 73.6. Looking at guard, not surprisingly, John Runyon is 5th as a pass blocker, but uh, is a pretty terrible run blocker. So we don't have a top anything overall guard. Uh, Actually, (laughs) our highest graded guard overall is Zach Tom, uh, ranking 25th. He's got a 61 run blocking grade and a 73 pass blocking grade. Where does he rank overall as a pass blocker, I wonder? Um, 17th. How about that? So in pass blocking, if we talk Zach Tom, which again is depressing that I have not mentioned Elton Jenkins yet, um, 17th and 5th among guards. Where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Maybe he hasn't had enough snaps here. Let me change this. That's stupid. He's not even listed as being a guard at all, period. He's just listed as a tackle, despite the fact that he's played guard half the season. Anyways, um, it's actually not terrible. He's mostly just a really good run blocker. Um, as you would expect, not a very good pass blocking grade. So that's good. He's at least maintaining that. 
Um, as a tackle overall, he ranks 41st. Obviously not what we're expecting. Um, as a run blocker, though, let's see, David Bakhtiari is 20th, Elton Jenkins 26th. So it's something. I'm just out of curiosity. Yes, I could have done this beforehand, but I didn't know I was going to be here. Uh, how's he been week to week? Oh, it's been real bad. <laughs> it's been real bad. So his first four weeks were, I mean, as we know, not good, but certainly better. Um, overall grade 58, 66, 67, 85. Since then, 54, 50, 78 against Detroit, and then 52 again. So he's out of four weeks, three of them have been just irredeemably awful. In two of the four, he had bad run blocking and pass blocking grades. So I do not know what's going on with Elton Jenkins. I have no idea, but this is this is unbelievable. Uh, the other thing that's really scary about it, if you look at his grades overall, um, 2019, 20, 21, 22, his grades over four years, 69, 66, 82, 67. Um, it's entirely possible 2021 was just a complete fluke, and he's not actually that good of a football player, and we've just been wrong about him. And I, I mentioned this earlier on where it's like everybody's – screaming how great Elton Jenkins was before last year. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, maybe PFF doesn't really like him all that much, but whatever. Um, but yeah, again, this is kind of what he was in 2019 and 2020. Uh, the, the biggest difference is he was a, a slightly better pass blocker and worse run blocker. Now he's a better run blocker and worse pass blocker, but he's balancing out to being about the same as he's been every year with the exception of last year. So that makes me a little nervous. However, for those of you who are terrified that if we sign anybody, our cap is going to collapse, congratulations, because there's very, 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 very little chance that this guy is getting a massive um, tackle contract with the Green Bay Packers. And then if we want to look at our center, Josh Myers ranks 21st, um, which isn't, let me, uh, minimum, yeah, 21st out of 40 centers. So that's not good. Josh Myers has never graded out good and really much. Uh, however, again, pass blocking is better than run blocking. And again, PFF seems to weight run blocking more importantly than pass blocking, and I'll never understand that. If you have an 80 pass blocking grade and a 50 run blocking grade, you're probably going to have like a 55 overall grade. So just it's better to just look at it individually. As a pass blocker, he ranks seventh. So the, the positive news is that the pass blocking seems to be really on point which I can't explain why we're running so well other than, I guess, our running backs. I don't know. Anyways, we got David Bakhtiari. That's why it's more reasonable to believe that this could have happened and could be a thing that continues um, after this week. Now, again, the, 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 there are mountains of reasons why we can't. Most of the things we did to win that game are not super sustainable. Six yards per carry. Three touchdowns from a rookie, two interceptions from Rudy Ford. I mean, stuff like this is just, it's, it's flukish. But the point is, you don't have to get exactly those things. We won a lot of games over the years with one guy kind of breaking out. The point is, is somebody else going to step up next week? Being able to consistently run the ball, leaning on the run, Rodgers continuing to play at this level, having that deep threat. I'm not, I'm not asking for three touchdowns. I'm asking for it to be a consistent threat. And then can somebody step up? If, 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 it's, if it's not Watson, can Lazard do it? Can Sammy do it? Can Aaron Jones do it as a receiver? Can Tunyon do it? And by the way, even with the two interceptions, everybody pretty much acknowledges that it was a subpar performance from our defense. So we know that there's some upward mobility there for our defense to improve. It's not as if this from, from 
start to finish was the absolute best performance that our team has ever played. It's not our best special teams performance. It's not our best defensive performance, not by a mile. So there's even room for improvement there. And in fact, if if the offense can stay somewhat what it's doing and the defense can find a way to improve, maybe be invigorated by what the offense is doing and realizing that it's it's no longer the case that there's no point in even trying because they're not going to be able to do what they need to do, maybe they'll pick it up. I'm sure they felt good about that win and everything else. So we'll see. But I want to continue to explore this a little bit on the other side of the break. Uh, We'll also take a quick look at uh, the Tennessee Titans. We have a a few days more to look into that, but that's the plan on the other side of the break. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. That would be greatly appreciated. Also, uh, I just want to give a giant shout out to Mr. Ryan Santos. You've heard him call into the show a few times. Um, Just a special shout out for his donation via PayPal. I think Ryan was the first guy to ever financially support the show. I think before I even had Patreon, he was like, hey, man, do you have like a PayPal I can hit you up with? And I was like, all right. And um, he started giving a pretty sizable sum per month. And I told my wife and she's like, why is he doing that? I'm like, I don't know. Like, it's it's weird. It's awesome. But it's like, this is kind of crazy. Like, are you sure he's supposed to like, does he know he's giving you that much? Like, I think so. I don't know. This is back when I was like, I don't think anybody's listening. Nobody cares. It's just a hobby. I'm I'm a nobody. Granted, I still am, but I was even more of a nobody. So, Ryan, I know you've gone through some stuff, man, and I appreciate your support. Also, please consider giving to Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. I'm very excited to talk to my dad, and it seems like every time I talk, there's some new developments that are happening. He's working hard to make sure that he's going to be a uh, refuge for people that are, that are in need. And uh, I'd hope you'd check out at least... Um, the website at FertileGroundRanch.org, just to kind of familiarize yourself with what it is they do there. And if you're interested in supporting, again, there's a lot of ways you can do it, and uh, they kind of direct you to different ways that you can support them. If you're interested in doing that financially, you can find a link pinned to the top of the Packernet Podcast Facebook group, as well as the uh, pinned to the top of my Twitter. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So I want to do something 
now that honestly, we, even when I thought the season was pretty much wrapped up, we didn't do. Um, and that is to kind of look at the draft a little bit because the the difference is because we talked a lot about the future, but I didn't know exactly the right path to go. Are we drafting a quarterback, which is dependent on two things? Number one, is Rodgers leaving, which we don't know. Is love the answer, which we don't know. So it's hard to say that. Plus, I didn't like the quarterback, so I don't know what to do with a top five pick. I guess get a pass rusher, but do I like the pass rushers? I don't know. Maybe get a defensive tackle or something. I don't know. Bottom line is, I love the idea of a first-round pick, but in this draft, there was nobody that I was like, dude, we could get that guy. I'm sure there's that guy. I just, I, I didn't really have that guy. I like a running back, so. <laughs> but let's just, let's just play with this for a minute, because it's been all year, and we haven't had the opportunity to say, dude, what if we're dominant, and we can kind of just rock another pick and make this like a thing? So here, here's what we're going to explore. We turn the season around, but don't win a Super Bowl. Maybe we don't even get to the playoffs. Doesn't matter, though. What we've established is we now have an elite rushing attack. We have a seriously legit weapon. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here on Twitter staring at this touchdown pass on loop to Christian Watson just over and over and over. And I'm telling you, I'm more convinced now than I was before that this guy is going to be something special. More convinced. I was already very convinced. Remember, I was not a Watson fan in the draft necessarily. Man, I kind of liked him. I just said, I have no way to gauge how good this guy is because he's going up against garbage competition. I don't even know how to begin that. Like, okay, he's beating everybody, but everybody sucks, so I don't know what to do about that. I mean, sucks is unfair, but you get what I'm saying. Just leave me alone. But not only can this guy run in a straight line past people, I'm watching this play, and this is the one with the bunch formation. His fluidity and his ability to stay at full speed while making his cut, and you can't even call it a cut. I mean, it's just it's just a turn. He just he just starts going in a new direction. A lot of people, when they make a cut, you kind of lean one direction. You kind of have to gear down. The the speed drops, and then you turn, and then you have to ramp back up. It's all just one motion. It's all one motion, and that makes it even harder for anybody to stop anybody. So not only can he run in a straight line real fast, he can run in any direction he wants. Really, really fast. The the other touchdown somebody showed, which was a the the goal line throw to Christian Watson. Basically, they're playing zone defense, and he ran past not one but two guys. You're seeing two guys. He ran from right to left. Offense is right to left. From the defensive side, let's just stick with the offensive right to left. They're all to his left, meaning they have the right leverage. They're they're where they need to be. He ran past both of them, and they're both in a dead sprint, and they can't keep up with them. That play was over. And, and again, this is the mismatch. This is the problem. This is what the, uh, the Packers haven't had to where we can look at other teams' defenses and say, if you, just so you know, if you do that, you're done. And that, that, honestly, that's what Devontae brought. And again, this isn't saying he's as good as Devontae. It's not about skill level necessarily. It's, it's, in this case, it's more athleticism, but it's still being able to dictate to a defense. It's being able to say, if you do this, you're dead. And, and, and with the case of Devontae, it was essentially man-to-man coverage. You go man-to-man, you're dead. And so you have to do something else. And by forcing you to do something else, that puts you in a disadvantageous situation. Very similar to what I said about mobile quarterback. If you play man coverage, you're dead. If you don't spy, you're kind of dead. Well, crap. We can't just play man and have a spy. I mean, we're, we're doomed. And with Watson, I mean, you get on the goal line, just so you know, first of all, if you play zone, we can have him streak across the middle of the field and you can't catch him. 
if you play man, we'll have him streak across the middle of the field and you can't catch him. <laughs> you know, you run, you run that thing we did with Devontae, where you have him go in one direction, you see it's man, you have him double back, and imagine this guy's faster than Devontae. How do you, what do you do about that? Well, I mean, you can change this, that, or the... But the point is, this is just one guy. We, we can have a, a uh, plan B. Think about it. If they're in man coverage, and I'm, I'm making this up because I don't know. I'm, I'm not, not Sam Holman or anything. But clearly what you would do in that situation is if, if he's running across the formation and we're in man, somebody else is going to have to start to pick him up. But now you've got sort of two guys on Watson or at least one and a half. We're still in an advantageous situation there. That's where that chestnut checkers comes in. And again, for all the flaws that I think Matt LaFleur possibly has, being able to figure out what to do with this is not one of them. Again, he's been asking for this forever. He knows exactly what to do with this because this is what he's always wanted. He knows why. He's got this whole big playbook for what happens when we have a guy that nobody can stop his speed that he hasn't been able to utilize. And Rodgers, we know how obsessed he is with attacking deep down the field. He's been talking about it since mid-McCarthy. We, we have to be able to get down the field. We have to be able to get down the field. Since he lost Jordy, he's been furious about that. This is not going to be an issue trying to figure out how to get Christian Watson involved in this offense. Anyways, again, I'm watching it on a loop and it just gets me excited. And I have no intention of uh, turning it off and focusing on the podcast. I'm sorry. If I randomly talk about Christian Watson, you'll understand why. But anyways, okay, so here, here, here's the deal. Aaron Rodgers gets out of his funk. Watson is the real deal. Real deal speed threat. We're very, very good on the ground. What do we do? Well, clearly we just continue on, right? I mean, it doesn't make any sense to say we re-signed Rodgers so that we can, you know, play another two, three years uh, kind of going all in with this thing. And then after demonstrating that we actually have a really good team, saying, nah, screw it, let's just, let's just tear this thing down. It doesn't make sense. So Rodgers stays, assuming he doesn't retire, which I don't think he will. Again, if, if, the, if the team looks solid, I don't think he's going to walk away from $60 million. My, my thought was if the team was incompetent, why would he come back? So, okay, Rodgers is back, and we're not going to get rid of him, because why would we? Because although the offense doesn't need an Aaron Rodgers, it certainly excels with an Aaron Rodgers. And you don't want to have to try to figure out, okay, are we going to be able to find a guy that's above average? Because I don't know if we can. Aaron Jones probably has to stay. He doesn't have to have to, but he kind of has to. Because, again, the other part of the equation is dominant rushing attack. And there's no question Aaron Jones is a major part of that. So what do we do if the draft was held today? Well, as of right now, we are pick 14. Let's just say we end somewhere in that range. Let's call it like 18, 14 to 18-ish, which is not quite the playoffs, but about as far away as you can get otherwise. What are some of the options we have? Well, there is Quinton Johnson, Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Also, Kayshawn Boot. I don't know how to say his name. I haven't looked at these guys yet, so I don't know. Bottom line is there's a lot of wide receivers. Again, just like every year, a lot of wide receivers. And whereas a lot of these guys were considered probably not going to be able to get them because they're going to be gone, as of right now, Quentin Johnson is number one wide receiver, and he's sitting at 10th. I certainly wouldn't be opposed to that, adding a wide receiver to this already pretty talented group. You've got Dobbs. You've got your speed, you know, your your sort of Tyreek on the outside, and then you add, hopefully, a Devontae-esque player on top of that. Okay, what other options are there? 
I think offensive line is a big one. David Bakhtiari is great, but he's a big question mark in terms of his health moving forward. Elton Jenkins is not a tackle. Yash Nyman is serviceable, but certainly upgradable. And if you wanted to be in a situation so, so that you can sort of redshirt a tackle, not that you'd ever want to redshirt a first-round pick, but it's, it's an option. You can play Yash until this guy kind of proves that he can be the guy. Well, if you're talking tackles, Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern is an option. Paris Johnson, Ohio State, is an option. Broderick Jones, Georgia, is an option. As of right now, there are no interior guys that make sense at that point. Usually there's like one or two guys um, that are kind of in the teens. Right now, there are none. Another option, which again is one of those I doubt the Packers would do it kind of thing, but maybe, is Michael Mayer, tight end out of Notre Dame. Similar to the idea of the wide receiver. Because remember, we got Dobbs, who's supposed to be sort of the Devontae guy, and I know he's not that, but what do you do if you just get an X? Well, we've got Dobbs, who's kind of your ex. So does he just go to the bench? Can he play slot? What, what are we doing here? Do we go get a guy that can be a slot? That would be, for example, Jackson Smith and Jigba. That's assuming he's still a first-round pick by the time this comes around because he's got a lot of injury issues, and even when he does play, it's not looking great. But um, that's an option. But, but even then, does he just go to the bench when you're not in three wide, or is it's sort of one of those things where you put Dobbs on the bench. You know, it's just, it's, it's weird. You get Michael Mayer, though, it solves everything. I mean, you've got that receiving threat who comes in and is a just dominant blocker, right? The guy's got an 80 overall run blocking grade, got a 90 receiving grade, six foot four, 265. His hands are like magnets. Not to, I mean, first of all, they're, they're so massive when he catches the ball, it just, you, you can't even see the ball anymore. The only six foot four, two hundred sixty-five pound tight end I've seen who's toe tapped on the sideline. Look, we've invested a lot in the defense. I know we need some help there, but I don't. I don't think it's a terrible plan to say we've invested enough. We need to either get this thing up and running. Not saying we'll, we won't do anything else. There's free agency and other other options and whatnot. But what we need is a defensive coordinator that's going to get these guys ready to rock and roll. Maybe that's the change that needs to be made on that side. We'll look at options, but I'm just saying. That's kind of where my head is at. I know Rashawn is out, but hopefully he'll be back some point early to midpoint of, of next year. We've got Preston. We've got Kenny. We've got maybe Jaron Reed if we bring him back. We drafted Wyatt. We got Quay. We got Devondre. We got Jair. We got Stokes, kind of. We got Razul. Might have to figure out the safety situation. Are we going to pay Amos to stay? What are we doing with Savage? Rudy seems to be a, a clear option to stay. But I wouldn't mind saying, look, we've, I've done everything I can to fix this defense. And let's face it, this is, this is a, the DNA of this team is an offensive football team. So let's go get that, that identity back. I wouldn't hate a, a pick like Michael Mayer. And he's currently sitting at around pick 15. I think that's right in our range. However, some defensive options. Um, if you look on the defensive interior, if you're saying, well, I don't know if Reed's going to be around. I don't know if Lowry's going to be around. I don't know if Wyatt can really contribute much. So you got Slayton and Kenny. Kenny's been on a slump. Slayton's kind of a a hit or miss prospect. All right. Well, we could go back-to-back first-round defensive lineman. Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech is an option sitting at around pick 19. Looks like the two guys ahead of him are probably going to be gone. They're both top 10 prospects. After that, they got Siaki Ika out of Baylor, currently sitting consensus uh, ranking is 35th. So Tyree Wilson, defensive lineman out of Texas Tech. Edge rusher, a very clear option. Um, 
Miles Murphy and Will Anderson are seen as top five picks, but Isaiah Foskey out of Notre Dame, Nolan Smith, Georgia, which obviously makes a lot of sense. Uh, those two guys are kind of in that range. I really doubt we go linebacker, but Trenton Simpson, linebacker out of Clemson. Corner, again, relatively unlikely, but, you know, who knows with Stokes or whatever. Joey Porter, Penn State. Cam Smith, South Carolina. And then the big one, safety. As of right now, I'm only seeing one. Jordan Battle has dropped all the way to 53. I thought that guy was a clear top 10 pick. Um, Obviously plummeting this year. But there is one guy currently seen as kind of in that range, maybe sitting around 23, and that's Antonio Johnson, safety out of Texas A&M. So again, the question is, what is the plan? Now, we don't really know because we got to see how the team continues to progress, but let's just say what we saw is kind of where we're at. Rodgers looks good. The run game looks good. Offensive line seems pretty solid. Watson's legit, like seriously legit. Do you say, hey, defense is the problem, let's draft defense? Or do you say, we've got pieces, let's get a new DC, and let's stack this offense with more talent? That's kind of where my head is at. I'm just exhausted with, with stacking more talent on this defense just to watch it not produce year after year after year after year after year. I'm done with it. I don't need another edge rusher, another defensive lineman, another, another premier pass rusher just so that he can get in the quarterback's face and they can dump it over the middle to a wide open guy. Don't need another linebacker that's just going to stand there. Don't need another corner that's going to play 15 yards off. Let's get a new DC. Let's, let's grab a wide receiver. Let's grab Michael Mayer, if you're into that kind of thing. Anyways, finally, let's take a quick look at the uh, Tennessee Titans. Um, I mentioned a little bit on Packernet After Dark yesterday. They are a team with a pretty solid record, 6-3. and three. They've won, let's see, GGG. They lost their first two, so they've won their last uh, six of their last seven. Um, Their one loss coming as an overtime loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, as some people have pointed out, yeah, well, they haven't really beat anybody that's any good. That's true, but that's true of just about every team that has beaten people. Most of their losses come against teams that are not very good, right? Chiefs beat the Cardinals. Oh, wow, who cares? Chiefs beat the Chargers. Wow, who cares? And they lost to the Colts, which is embarrassing because the Colts suck. And they beat the Bucks. Yeah, well, the Bucks suck. Well, they beat the Raiders. Yeah, well, the Raiders suck. They played the Bills and lost. And then they played the 49ers. Well, the 49ers kind of suck. Then they played the Titans and they won in overtime. Not really sure. And then they beat the Jaguars. See, the Chiefs haven't beaten anybody. So they're frauds. They suck. They're no good. I mean, they did beat the Buffalo Bills, but only by four. Not a big deal. Everybody's a fraud this year because every team sucks at football. So nobody really has played anybody. So I take them to be a fairly legit team until proven otherwise. Beyond that, the other thing I pointed out is it doesn't really matter how legit they are. I believe if what we saw last week against Dallas is the Packers moving forward, we beat the Titans whether they're a good football team or not. Whether they're a legit 6-3 and three or a fraudulent 6-3, and three, the Packers win the game. If the Packers are what they were against Detroit, even a fraudulent Tennessee Titans team is going to beat the Packers. So we're still going to get an answer no matter what. But in terms of the composition of the Tennessee Titans, uh, 26th ranked offense, 8th ranked defense. That is the team that we're seeing. The offense is massively struggling. Um, Since their bye week, they have not scored more than 19 points. However, they've won because they gave up 10 points, 10 points, 20 points, and 10 points. If we look just after their bye week, the last four weeks, because before that it was 27, 24, 24, 21. So... Five of their 
excuse me, four of their five games were 20 points or more. They haven't hit 20 points since their bye. And the points given up were 21, 41, 22, 17, 17. So just out of curiosity, since their bye week, over the last four weeks, Tennessee Titans, believe it or not, this is, this is unbelievable as far as the state of the uh, NFL right now. Um, despite scoring no points, they are the seventh worst offense. <laughs> How is this even possible? It's on a per-game basis. I know some teams have only played three. Um, Denver is one of those teams. They've scored 9, 21, and then 10. Their offense right now ranks 32nd in the NFL. That's so crazy. Anyways, um, they have the seventh worst offense in football and the 12th ranked defense. So it's actually not all that different because the change in their team has been pretty standard across the NFL apparently over the last four weeks. So the offense actually stays the same around 26th. They are 32nd, by the way, in yards. And the defense maybe drops from about 8th to 12th, depending on if you want to look at more recent history. Which, again, doesn't make any sense because they were worse before this. I, I don't know, man. The, the NFL has gone absolutely insane. Apparently, the scoring has just plummeted across the NFL for the last four weeks, which really says a lot for the Green Bay Packers, who just put up points. Apparently, they're the only team that did that. Um, looking at what it takes to beat the team, they are undefeated when they've scored more than 20 points, but they've only done that three times, uh, 21 against Washington, 24 against the Colts, 24 against the Raiders. Defensively, they're undefeated when they allow 17 or less points. So that is to say we've got to keep them under 20, uh, at 20 or less, and we need to try to score more than 17. That's kind of the goal. Psychotically, when a team scores more than 17 points against the Titans, they are 3-1, and one, which is to say the Titans are 1-3 when they've allowed more than 17. That's how bad their offense is. Uh, run defense, obviously, is going to be a big factor in this game, trying to stop them from running the football. When they have been able to run for 100 yards or more, which is a pretty low bar, they are 5-1. Uh, and one. When they've been under 100 yards, they are 1-2. and two. Turnover, surprisingly, at least as far as Titans' offensive turnovers, not as big of a factor. Um, really no correlation whatsoever, which is rare. I mean, the one game that they had more than two, they lost. They had four turnovers against Buffalo and lost that game. Big shocker. But the next highest, the only other game they had multiple turnovers was against Houston. They had two turnovers. They won that game, and they lost the turnover differential as well. Defensively, um, I mean, more than two, they're undefeated when they've had three or more, but that's kind of what that goes without saying. Don't turn the ball over three times. Otherwise, again, not a huge correlation with turnovers, which is pretty rare for a football team. A couple other stats uh, overall for the Titans. Their offense is 31st in first downs, which is a major part of playing football. 30th in passing attempts. They don't pass the ball very much, so run defense, again, needs to be on point. Rudy Ford, please. Thank you very much. 31st in passing yards, 28th in passing touchdowns, 23rd in net yards per attempt passing. Running the ball, 7th in attempts, ninth in yards, 8th in touchdowns, 19th in yards per attempt. So they run the ball a lot, but really are not very good at it. I know they still have Derek, uh, Derek Henry. Derek Hill, who the heck is that? They still have Derek Henry, but it's not been the same offense that we're used to. That's not to say that it's going to be easy. We still have to tighten it up because it, you know, tighten it up, huh? Okay, never mind. But... It's, 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 not that, uh, it's not that high of a bar. 
Percentage of drives ending in an offensive score, they rank 29th. Percentage of drives ending in a turnover, they rank 29th, which means often that happens. Starting field position, they rank 20th. Average time per drive, they rank 23rd. Average plays per drive, they're dead last in the NFL. Meaning what? A lot of three and outs, a lot of punting. Net yards per drive, dead last in the NFL, 32nd. Average points scored per drive, they rank 26th. So I know this is the third time I've said this, and we're 0-2 when I've said this. This is one of the worst, if not the worst, offenses in football. You got Detroit, you got Washington, although at this point Washington has turned the corner, just like Detroit has after playing us. That seems to be a thing. Let's hope that doesn't happen again. Their offense is terrible, and depending on what metrics you look at, yep, dead last. Defense, as I mentioned, eighth in points allowed. However, 23rd in yards allowed. So finished drives would be great. Uh, They're ninth in uh, turnovers, 18th in fumble recoveries, 32nd in uh, passes. That is to say, teams pass against the Tennessee Titans more than anybody else. They're number one in rushing attempts, which means nobody runs against the Tennessee Titans. Now, that's going to be a bit of a problem for, well, it's not a problem for the Packers, but it scares me a little bit because the game plan for every team coming into a game has been don't bother running, just pass, 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 pass. This is the number three overall run defense, third in net yards per attempt, first in touchdowns allowed, only two rushing touchdowns allowed this season, second in rushing yards, 766 yards given up the entire season. The thing that makes me nervous is the Packers are going to come in and go, well, you know the game plan. We're not going to run very much. We're going to pass. It makes me nervous. On the other hand, it also makes me nervous to think maybe they're going to say, nah, we're going to man up and we're going to run. And then it doesn't work and then we're in trouble. So that is the concern. Everything seems easy here. Their pass defense is not great. Their offense is terrible. Right? Special teams doesn't seem great when you look at their starting field position. But this is the thing that makes me nervous. Everything right now feels to me as though it's built upon running the ball. And if we can't do that, and I don't know we're going to be able to do that in this game, I wonder what our offense looks like, especially if they can win with just the guys they have up front. In other words, they don't have to commit more guys up front, which means they can play too high. They can take away the deep stuff. And so they're not necessarily as threatened. And suddenly the offense starts to look like the old offense a little bit. Just a thought. Anyways, again, we can explore a little bit more of this as we continue on. I'm going to leave it at that for now. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.